The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. It's 8 after 11 o'clock. Welcome to the third and final hour of The Talking Point. Coming up in this hour, we turn the focus or the attention on ourselves as citizens and specifically look at a civic duty, civic responsibility. What role do we um, need to be playing as members of society in safeguarding and protecting our democracy and making sure that, you know, we are holding not only our leaders accountable, but that we are holding ourselves accountable too. That's the conversation that we'll have in this hour. Um, interesting views coming through from you in terms of uh, the conversation we had in the 10 o'clock hour focusing on female security guards in particular and the concern raised by the Association of Private Security Owners around the vulnerability in particular of female security guards. They have been calling for them to uh, be excluded from working night shift. I think after that conversation that we've had, it's clear that removing female officers from the night shift will not answer the question of improving security for healthcare practitioners and patients who all become victims of crime when uh, you know criminals take advantage of the situation and target certain uh, facilities. So it looks like the answer um, to the question is really going to be conducting risk assessments of specific areas and deploying enough resources, whether male or female, um, as a response to the threat and the risk um, that is being encountered. At least that's the sense that I get from the conversation we face because we've got female nurses as well. We've got female doctors. It doesn't mean that they're any, um, they, that they're any less vulnerable than female security guards. You know, yes, we know um, violence in this country is gendered, but is the answer to say that you then deprive women of the opportunity to be able to work just so that you can keep them safe, whereas, um, you know, we can be creating a better environment and maybe an ecosystem that's safer for, for everybody, including and especially uh, women, is perhaps how we need to be looking at it. So let's get then into our final conversation of the morning. We're joined by human rights activist Mark Hayward. Mark, good morning. Always a pleasure being in conversation with you. Great to have you on the show. Hi, Kathy. It's wonderful to be back with you as well, uh, especially the last chance of the year to talk. So. Thanks for having me. Sure. There's so many different things we can talk about, Mark. But, um, you know, we end off this year with many South Africans mindful of the weight of 2024, the burden that is going to rest on our shoulders, which is really trying to elect um, a government for yet another term of office. And there'll be so much said between now and then. And I just wanted to bring the conversation back, Mark, to our civic duty, our civic responsibility. You know, we have so many political parties that have been registered, so many individuals raising their hands to say, look, you know what, I think I can do the better job. Pick me, you know, give me your vote. And yet on the show, I still take so many callers on a day to day basis who say I am not going to vote. 
because mm. I don't see any option that speaks to me. So I'm going to sit it out. You can have 1,200 more political parties and I'm not <laughs> convinced that they will be speaking to my issues. And, you know, and, and, and it's fair comment if somebody feels that they're not represented. But at the same time, of course, there's also the conversation around our own responsibility in safeguarding, in protecting this um, democracy. And I know that you're, you're a great person who can talk us through that importance. Thanks, Cathy. Well, let me start by saying that democracy puts a heavy responsibility on us all, as you've said. And 2024 is a critical year uh, to exercise that responsibility and power because on the citizens and the citizens at the end of the day is you and me is this responsibility and duty to try to make sure that the people who we elect to every level of government are people who have our best interests at heart and people that we can trust with the huge resources and the huge power to build a country that that meets all of our needs and is good for for all of us. So if you boil that down to you and me, Cathy, you know, I, I think one of the first responsibilities is to make sure that we are informed enough, you and I, to make those decisions, particularly when we're going to go into a year where, as you said, you know, potentially hundreds of political parties are going to be making promises. So how do people sift? How do people judge? How do people make uh, a real commitment? How do people start educating and empowering ourselves immediately for this, this critical year? That, I think, is one of the, the first steps that we have to take. I'm not sure if it's sounding too abstract, but it does come back to, to questioning my own role and responsibility. How to judge is, you know, we all have our own criteria of what we think a good leader might look like. And in in South Africa, especially today, we're very focused on what we believe to be our key issues. And I think that's why you also see a fragmentation of our politics, because everybody is championing a cause that they believe has been neglected by the other parties. Is that a good place to be moving from, Mark? That we just, if let's say I believe in healthcare, the NHI, then I'm going to go for a party that emphasizes the NHI um, and almost disregard any other aspect of our social life. No, I don't think it is because one of the things I think we all have to do as people is to get out of silos and get out of only looking at what we think are our own immediate interests or our own immediate issue. You know, it may be that in particular areas, for example, I know a lot about health, so I'm in a much better position to judge, but I can't just focus myself on, on, on health. I, I think we need to sift out you know, what are the critical questions that face our country? What, what are the critical questions that affect people's uh, dignity in this country? What are the critical questions that affect my, my, my ability to feel that I'm treated equally, that I'm, I'm respected? What are the, the critical threats 
to this country. You know, we, we've all been caught by surprise almost by ESCOM. I mean, although it's been around for a long time, but, but it, you know, it, it's impacted so severely on the country. But are there looming challenges to the country? I mean, we're starting to talk more and more about water. Uh, should we be looking at water as a critical threat and judging politicians by the solutions and the ideas that they have to ensure that 60 million people are able to access clean, safe, a reliable supply of, of, of water? Um, you know, what are we doing? What, should, should we be thinking about our children? You know, I've spent time recently with the Nelson Mandela Children's Fund, and they issued a report a few weeks ago on the state of the nation's children. Now, children can't vote, which means that in some ways they are voiceless, but they will become the future generations and leaders and voters of our country. And yet we're doing terrible, we're allowing terrible things to happen to our, 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 our children. So I think we have to, 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 all of us, learn to look across single issues and to, to judge the best interest on a gamut of issues for the country. On the question of how do we judge, Mark, is there a standard to try and <laughs> determine what South Africa needs in in leadership today, because the reality is um, we know what we don't want, right? We know we don't want um, corrupt leaders. We know we don't want people that are going to regurgitate the same old thinking to really what is uh, new problems that are facing modern societies the world over. And we're looking for that ingenuity. We're looking for that innovation in the problem solving that we need in order to to put us in in a better position right to face the future um that 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 we're yet to encounter but do you think we have a clear idea as a society of what should leaders in this country look like and and in terms of 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 issues um uh this idea of a national question is there one national question that we can say we're grappling with as as a society that again may be easier to build consensus around well you you pose two sets of questions you know and i'll I'll try to respond on the first question how do we judge the people put forward that, that put themselves forward and i would almost say that's a good conversation for you to have kathy what what do we look for in leadership and and to ask people what we think we should be looking for in leadership so to help people draw up a checklist uh that allows you to assess whether this person is a good and capable person or not you know i think in leadership we are looking for people who have 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 values of honesty uh openness transparency I think we're looking for people who have track records of service to the community, of real service to the community. I think we're looking for people who have some very big ideas and big ideas that come from experience and education and expertise in a particular area. I I think we're looking for people who genuinely live lives 
that reflect a concern for other people and the community. Those are some of the things that I would suggest as a starting point. Mark, but, but are you imagine, still talking but, about politicians here? <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. But, Kathy, people are fed up with politicians. I mean, you know there was research a few days ago that showed that uh, young people are alienated from democracy. They don't want to vote because they're alienated from politicians, and they're alienated from politicians because politicians have a track record of lying, and politicians have a track record of self-service and positioning themselves and their family, and that's not what politicians are meant to be. So that's why you're raising a critical conversation that Mark Hayward shouldn't answer, that in a sense your listeners should answer, and then we should build consensus on that very question. <laughs> and, 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 and for the second part, Mark, yeah. um, well, on the national, the question of the national question. Again, I think it's a useful question to throw out. I, I'll tell you my, uh, a couple of ideas that, that I, I have. Um, one is that I think that we have to fix our education system. Um, uh, we have to fix it from early childhood development, meaning you know the youngest age of a child, and meaning early childhood development understood broadly in ensuring that a child has access to education, to nutrition, to healthcare services, right through basic education and into tertiary education because the education system is failing. Surely we can get consensus on the need to improve the quality of teaching. That, that is, I think, uh, a, a critical uh, question. The other thing that, that I would say perhaps is how do we build, rebuild our public service? Because we all depend on public servants to, you know, to deliver health, to deliver education, to deliver policing, to deliver infrastructure, to deliver water, but our state capacity is crumbling. So what do you, Cathy, want from a public servant? What do we want from the, from, from, from the state? I do think that we as a country, you know, one of our problems and, and why we're in a mess is we draw up very, very long lists of hundreds of things and we don't know where to start because there's too many things. What are five key issues that the country has the capability to focus on and solve? And we solve those things and it then has a ripple effect. It, it, it restores hope. It restores our sense of our own power, it restores our dignity as people and as a country to deal with very, very large challenges. Mark, it, it's always easy to say to, to people, you know, um, get involved, right? Do, do something. You, you have agency. You don't have to just um, sit down. You know, this is uh, the, the, the IC is going with the slogan of your democracy, own it. But how do we own our democracy? What, what is expected of us um, in this instance? Well, we get in, uh, personally, my personal view is that we get involved first and foremost at our local level in trying to make our immediate communities places that are safe, that people, nobody is hungry in, that children are protected in, 
that you know the schools are are functional in there's always things to do at a local level and then from the local level we build and reflect our power up to the national level it's the local level where we start by holding politicians accountable for example i mean in some ways Kathy we're not having a local government election next year but in some ways local government has a, a profound effect on what we experience on a day-to-day basis and it has huge resources so what are we doing in relation to our ward councillors to the people that we we elect do do you and i know our own powers at, at local government uh, level you know i'm part of campaigns to try and fix johannesburg at the moment because johannesburg is falling apart so i have to learn about how the city of johannesburg is meant to work and I wonder, Mark, again, because of the work that you have done as as an activist over the years, is, is there a way of getting involved, right, at a community level in all of these things where we perhaps see problems, we see dysfunction, and we believe we can bring solutions? Can you get involved without being seen as being political? Um, because that, of course... I believe is another issue yeah. that um, people often want to stay away from. They want to help, but they don't want to be seen as that very step they're taking, being seen as as it being political, and then forcing them to align themselves with um, with a particular political party. Yes, you, you can, because community organizations, at least many of the ones that I work with, are not party political. They are about trying to fix the community or trying to support particular people in a community. Of course, all of these issues are political in some ways, but but they don't need to be party political. And you know, Cathy, our constitution uh, bases itself on the idea of people's participation. It encourages people to participate at the local level and at every level. And our country can really only work with local participation because there's only so much that a government can do. People at the community level have to work in synergy with government. So I would say to people, you know, local activism is not party political. Local activism is about rights, is about dignity, is about trying to better your own life and better the lives of people around you. But to the extent that it is, it is often interpreted as being political by political players. Well, I, I don't have an easy answer for that, except that I don't think it should deter people. You know, political parties are in a fierce contest. We know that there's a lot of corruption in government amongst political parties. Political parties sometimes want to control community organisations. But I also know many, many great activists in many, many communities who are able to organize free of party political influence. And it's your right to be able to do that. So I don't think that you should not do it because you are afraid. You need to take the first step and you need to find other people to work with. <clears throat> and I've always, you know, in my activism, I've always been amazed at how much power we actually have when we start talking to somebody else and addressing 
the issues that are are around us. You know, as 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 you're speaking, Mark, I'm I'm thinking of um, a conversation that 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 we had with some leaders of of NGOs and and some of them, and that are also you know community activists are on different issues, and, and and you know some of them were saying how they're often accused of um, being drivers uh, of regime change because of the work they're doing. So um, you spoke about the issue of education. Um, You were previously involved with Section 27 and some of the work that it did at the time when it comes to the eradication of pit latrines and the norms and standards um, in schools. When, 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 When you are doing such critical work and it is being interpreted as being for regime change, how do you continue to do that without being swallowed by the politics of it all? Gosh, you're asking big questions. Um, look, you, you talked, we talked, we joked a few minutes ago about politicians and how so many politicians have become corrupted. And politicians unfortunately don't want people to be active in communities because when people start getting active, they start learning, they start discovering their own powers, they start questioning decisions that politicians may make, they start holding politicians accountable. And all of that can be done as a citizen, not as a member of a political party. So what you are presenting to me is that is a reflection of something that's happening in in many communities, but it's happening for wrong reasons. In my experience, Cathy, you know, I'll give you a direct experience. When we started the treatment action campaign in the late 1990s uh, to try to get access to antiretroviral medicines for people living with HIV at a time when the government didn't want to provide those medicines, we were called all sorts of names by by politicians, by President Pablo Mbeki, by the ANC. We were called you know, traitors. We were called pharmaceutical company agents. We were, as you've said, accused of regime change. We just kept on going. We just made sure that we worked with, educated ourselves, built local power in communities. And because we kept on building, we were able to build a civic movement that, as you know, has now saved 5 million lives because that's the number of people who receive antiretroviral treatment. And I think that that power to change and better life, better lives exists in every sphere. It exists on food insecurity. It exists on education. It exists on gender-based violence. We have to encourage each other to take these steps because if we don't become active citizens, then we end up just sitting in our homes, watching our society degenerate around us, watching our own lives Mm. degenerate around us, and we become powerless. We're going to continue with this conversation in a moment uh, with Mark Hayward. It's time for your latest news headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. We're talking about civic duty, civic responsibility. How do we begin to 
rise up to that responsibility that each of us um, carries being part of a democratic society. Uh, Mark Hayward is a human rights activist, has been part of our landscape in this country for a very, very long time and I think has served the South African communities in various ways and uh, his work and some of the results he's been able to achieve from uh, his work as an activist speak for um, itself. Mark, you know, what you're saying just before we went to news is really emphasizing the opportunity cost, that when we are sitting down and doing nothing as South Africans, there is a cost associated with that. Yes, there is. I mean, and there's a, there's a cost to each of us and there's a cost to our community, Cathy. I mean, all of us feel very unhappy in our country at the moment because we've seen the way our communities have deteriorated. We've seen the way nyope and drugs have consumed young people. We've seen the levels of crime and violence. I mean, 25,000 people die of murder every year. And I think part of that responsibility lies with us because we've sat as if we are powerless to shape our politics and to shape our, our, our society. So, you know, fixing these things may start with discussions like you and I having. It may start with just discussions within a family around the dinner table. It may start with discussions within a sports club. But we can always find things to do. You know, for me, one of my starting points, Cathy, was just understanding the constitution of our country because the constitution of our country is the supreme law of this country. No politician, no political party is higher than it. The constitution sets out the vision for South Africa, but it also sets out Kathy Mostafana's rights, Mark Hayward's rights, every person's rights. The constitution says every person in our country has a right to sufficient food. It says that every child has a right to basic healthcare services. You know, it takes us back to where we started talking this morning, which is what is the change I have to make in myself to begin with, to find the power, to be an active citizen, to work in a way that can improve our communities and our countries. But, but how does it start with me? Oh, what an important question. And I love how you phrased it there, Mark. Let me go to the phone lines. Tami, um, you're on the line. I understand you're from Salga. Good morning, Tami. Good morning, Sis Kathy. Hi. Good morning. Yes. Yes, yes. This is Mr. Tami Ngubane. I'm very much interested in your conversation. Mm. And I would like to make an input. You see... It's important that we make a correct diagnosis. This is my understanding of the problem. As South Africans, we do talk about where we should go. So we answer the question, what must happen? As you are saying, as the conversation is unfolded again here, that we must use our right, democratic right, to participate, hold people accountable. But that is the vision, that is the destination. But we are not saying anything on the two questions, on how and why. So it's more like we want to reap 
without sowing. Up until such time, we identify the forces that we must master up until such time. Because if you are taking a journey, it's not about knowing where you are going, but you also need the direction and the road and the tools that are going to use, that are going to get there, to close that particular gap. So those are the things that are not there. No matter how hard we call for the action, it will never materialize up until we do what needs to be done. For instance, if you are talking about the states, in terms of the states, it should be a three-legged part. You need the community. You need the elected representative. You need the administrators. Those are the three-legged parts. If you remove one, obviously the problem is guaranteed that will still arise. And in this three-legged part, what is also not there is the, is the, is the type of the relationship because the community are the owners of the system. They create government through elections. They also finance. They give you the mandate. They give you the money. But as things stand, are they playing their role? Because they've got that relationship. There's a relationship between uh, the elected representative and the community. They bear a relationship of a principal and agent. The agent can't do things that are not in the interest. They take money directly and implement what is said by the principal. But if the principal doesn't play its role, because things are interconnected, as you know, if, 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 if the liver can't play its part in the body, even other parts that are operating fine, they're going to be affected and the whole system is going to collapse. Now, as things stand, the owners of the system, the principals, mm. are not playing their role. And, but and, we need to yeah. then go to the detail and then say, what is it that needs to be done other mm. than calling for a change? For instance, you, people are not organized. You can't say individuals must hold the state accountable. The state is an institution. You can't say individuals must hold an institution accountable. But the people must come together. They must be organized. It's the first step that they must structure themselves into interest groups. They become institutions. They, they, they coordinate their views, integrate them into structured, well-canvassed views, and then enter into negotiation with the state and bargain and have a mandate taking in the report mm -hmm. back as, 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 as an institution. Now, the people are disorganized. You go to the community, you are meeting these people, they are saying this, you go back the following day to, to, to give a report back, you meet new people with new... So there's that chaos up until we need to identify the building blocks that are going to take us there. Mm. Sure. Uh, you know, Mr. Ngubani, you, your input has, has been so insightful and uh, I really appreciate the fact that you took the time to call in. Um, you've given me a lot to think about and I think um, when we have this conversation again, which we will do um, in 2024, we might reach out to you to come back and share some of your thoughts because uh, from your experience, you might also 
have an idea as to, um, you know, why the how and why the why that you've asked about is not resonating w- with people. And, and, and you know, w- when I talk about change, it mustn't be seen necessarily in the lens of, you know, we need to change political parties. We need, no, I'm not in the political, I'm not solely in the political aspect of things. I'm saying that we need to get involved because part of that involvement will also result in, in more people voting um, because we need to care enough to actually see it to, to that conclusion too. Yes, I, I fully understand mm. where you are coming from, Sis Katie. Mm. You are saying, in terms of the Sisters call, not all is well. So it means whatever that you are doing is not a, is creating an ideal situation. Yeah. So we can't do things in the same way and expect to achieve different results. So we need to change how Absolutely. we do things. Absolutely. But changing actions is linked into changing the thinking. So we need a shift in the mindset of all the role players that are in the ecosystem. For instance, just for right. an example, all I right. understand that you are saying next day we'll have having this conversation. We need a paradigm shift uh, from the thinking. For instance, you can support a political party, which is fine, but people, the society, for them to benefit, they need to employ a sailor's thinking. You know, a sailor can take a decision based on what is the conditions right now. Ten minutes later, the circumstances changes. And you can't say you've got a decision. You need to change it. So I'm saying, vote the, for the political party. Be partisan when you go to elections. Support whoever that you want to support for your own reason. But beyond that, the people must unite. Mm. All and right. hold, talk with one voice to to then hold the political party that is in the government, to then they deliver on your promises in the manifesto. All right. All right, Mr. Ngubani, I'm going to have to pause it there for, uh, from you for, for today, but absolutely to be continued. I want to quickly go to Ruedupot. Uh, Mufebiadi, good morning. Good morning, Oskete. Yes, Rohana Legai. Rohana, this is what and I was about to phone you about it. I love Gamrat and Tatemak Haywood, you know? As long as we don't all stand together, the politicians, I think somehow we must take part in the community. Like, for instance, I've all the stations, local heroes whereby if I had a perfect platform to everyone who wants to want to want to make change in a community to freely come and talk about it first address support from us as a, as a South Africans. You know why I'm saying that? Because of if you've got those if only those ideas that you can implement. Somehow sabotage sometimes those petty things those those things they this blocking motto for they hinder a person to pursue what is going to help the community. 
they're somehow killing because of our community is dying under our nose that they've ideas which they can be implemented from the people from the ground right. which they can make a huge change all right all right so my my my, my proposal is i'm sincerely asking if hokabadi those kind of uh, bargaining uh, platform go mm. on the um, radio stations to allow everyone to go through freely and agree support to bring change in our our location my right. is, all that my thing is all, let us all pull together to bring change in our location yeah i'm going to have to leave it there with you for this morning thank you for calling in and an important point that you're making mark we're completely out of time for this conversation 20 seconds no, an important conversation. I just agree with the two callers. The, the last caller, she said a very important thing, which is people in communities know what the problems are. They don't only know what the problems, very often they know what the solutions are. And by organizing together, they build power to get those solutions implemented. The problem they experience, which relates to what Tami said, though, is that very often they find the government, the local government, unresponsive and sometimes even hostile to those solutions. And how you overcome that problem is perhaps the subject for another discussion because maybe one day we could talk about actual community struggles that have taken place and particularly instances where people have managed to make progress and solve problems and unite a community. Thanks, Debbie. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for being part of this conversation. Thank you all for your contributions. Like I said, to be continued, dot, dot, dot. That's where we leave it on the talking point for today. I'm back with you tomorrow.